Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. Reading the self-help books and, and talking to people and helping them, right, wherever I was, right? Kind of grow wherever you're planted, so to speak. And you've got gifts and you've got talents, whoever you are. You know, you've got stuff that that naturally you feel like doing um, and you're good at it, right? So, so yeah, explore those talents and gifts and then let them grow. Welcome back to the Coaching Cole Podcast. My guest today is Blaine Elkers. Blaine is America's only chief results officer. He's always loved to help people get results and he knows which habits bring success. He teaches others on how to create habits instantly and stick with them for a lifetime. Good morning, good morning. I have my guest and he's having technical difficulties. Let me tell you a little bit about Blaine Olkers, who happens to be America's only, listen to this, only chief results officer. He's always loved to help people get results and knows which habits bring success and results. How to create instantly and stick with a lifetime of results, right? He's a leading authority in personal implementation and consistency. I love this one the best. He's a habit master with documented streak of 1,453 days in a row and counting. And we do. He came back. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to have you, my friend. Hey, sorry. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Absolutely, my friend. How's everything? Uh, it's going well. I just had to switch computers uh, to a laptop that's more reliable than the desktop. But I, I am here, ah. and I'm happy to be here and happy to be with you today. Yeah, yeah. So I was just telling everybody about you a little bit. So many different things that you do and have been doing. My favorite, I think, I'm going to just say it, it's that you're a habit master. And this, when you, when you wrote this, it was 453 days in a row and counting. I also want to know what the habits are and what day are you up to? Okay. So today was day 1,715 in a row. So that's an old, old writing. I like it. Um, And the, the, the nice thing is, is that some of the habits, uh, that I have are in apps, you know, that track it for you. Right. So, so I have like a documented you know, a documented streak sort of set. Mm. Uh, and, and I really feel, I feel, I think similar to you that, that habits can be kind of this core, this foundation. And as you build the habits, you start to increase your self-confidence about like what you can do, uh, you know, and then also 
you know, you can you can build up something that's that's substantial, uh, you know. And so I have a framework that really helped me to create this stability and the instantaneousness of creating a new habit. I call it the 21 second habit, mm. uh, 21 second habits, how to create a new habit in, in 21 seconds, not 21 days. And we can kind of unpack that for people. Um, so, so that's one big thing I think people gravitate toward is creating new habits, uh, you know, kind of exercising their their self-discipline a little bit more. Uh, and, and it's super cool. And, and then the others, the flip side of that is bad habit elimination, which is totally different than new habit creation. But that's also served me well uh, over the last number of years is to kind of minimize or get rid of the habits that that are, are kind of maybe sabotaging. Mm. You, you know, one of the things that I've found out is that sometimes it's not necessarily eliminating them, but changing them, right? From a bad to a good one, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, in bad habit elimination, there's three keys. And that that is key number two, is you have to have a substitute habit. You, you, you know, otherwise your brain is so powerful and the neurons tend to gather together, you know, that if you have this, uh, uh, you know, issue, uh, it'll it'll keep happening over and over but having a substitute habit uh something that's better now now sometimes people just upgrade you know their their habits uh, uh, you know from uh, eating candy to eating potato chips look that's still a little better it's still a little better yeah. <laughs> but getting to the apple uh or or the banana or something is even better but yes a substitute habit is is really big and and having a reason why you know why do you want to get rid of that habit you know that gives you some emotional strength and power I remember, um, you know, my, my father-in-law, he was a smoker and he tried to quit a number of times. I watched him try and fail, try mm. and fail. And then one day he quit cold turkey, never had a cigarette again. And, and, and probably he lived maybe 15 more years without a single cigarette. And wow. the reason was he had this powerful why. And that was in the form of grandchildren. So when the grandchildren wow. came, we said, Papa, you can't be around the grandchildren when you're smoking or like right after you smoke and it smells like smoke. And he said, that's it. You know, and that big enough why got him mm. to, to stop that bad habit. And so when you think about the why you want to stop the bad habit, it's also interesting to then dig deep into into understanding emotionally, uh, you know, and, and knowledge why that bad habit is bad. Right. Like if you're going to give up smoking, you know, really study smoking you know why is it bad what does it do to your lungs and just get all that data because that helps you to kind of form that case in, in your mind and then the third part so there's the, the why the substitute habit and then the third part to complete it is to minimize the cues and triggers because the bad habit a lot of time it's not lack of willpower or self-discipline it's the environment and the environment is more powerful you know than than you are in many cases so what happens is we're human we're all human uh, and so you're going to fall off the wagon, so to speak, uh, and, 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 you know, have that cigarette, let's say. But if you do have that cigarette or do that bad habit, in that moment, try to figure out what happened. Like, what was the cue? What was the trigger? What got you there? Maybe as you went out to the bar or, you know, you had a bad day, you know, what, what was it? And then try to minimize those cues and triggers. I, I talked about potato chips. That was used to be one of my vices. I'd start eating potato chips. I'd eat the whole bag. Um, but, but once I kind of out of sight, out of mind, once I stop buying potato chips, right. And minimize the cues and triggers, they're not in my house. So I might have a potato chip at a party, but I, but I, if I don't buy them, it's, uh, you know, I can't have them at, at, in my house if they're not here. Right. I love the fact that you brought up triggers because it's a lot of people may 
consider I'm going to change my habit, but also they don't plan on what's going to trigger them to go back, right? So that trigger, if, if we know, okay, this is what's going to trigger me, oh, that's what's going to trigger me, and then have a game plan. When that trigger comes, what do I do? And a lot of people don't do it that way. So all of a sudden, they're like, they smell that cigarette. They're like, oh, man, I want one so bad. Or they see that candy. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to have one. Instead of saying, wait a minute, that's a trigger. What must I do now to really facilitate me not going back? Right? Not going back to maybe it's a drug. Maybe it's a food. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's anything that we don't want, that we were trying to get rid of. And I love the fact for grandpa to say, my grandchildren, that's my trigger. And his love took over, right? And, and that's a beautiful story when you think about it. Because you know how many times I've been driving and I see kids in the back seat and the person in the front smoking? Oof. And then I'm like, oh man, those kids are suffering. Meanwhile, they love their kids. They love them but they don't realize the impact of their actions, of their habits, right? And then, like I said, have a game plan, right? So let's talk about, man, so many different things that have made you the person you are, the person that realized, hey, wait a minute, a habit, how do I change them? And even how to create a 21 second habit, how do I start something? You know, one of the things that I do is I realize that we are creatures of habit, right? We may drive the same way. We may put on the same shoe every time. We may put our pants on a different way or the same way. We may put on a jacket the same way, left arm, then right arm. We may do certain things. The minute we wake up, this is the first thing we do. Da, 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 da. And so with me, I said, you know, I'm in control, not my habits. So every time when I'm about to do something that I've done several times, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm going to change it up. So I'm always having that fun game. So if, if I, I'm like, did I put on my right shoe yesterday? Well, today's going to be the left first. So I always implement that. It's a, for me, it's fun because I'm like, but did I, did I do this? No, and then so even driving to my job, which I don't think I have a job, um, but when I grow up, I'm going to get one. Um, so it's, it's always like changing it up, right? Changing it up. Even though you're going to do the same thing, it may be something you have to do. But can we have a little spice with it, right? Can we change it up to be more exciting? Yeah. So what made you, when you were a kid, this is my real story for you. You are who you are because of your childhood experiences. What has triggered you? What who influenced you? So let's talk about you when you were a little guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and one thing about what you were just talking about, uh, you know, this kind of variety, this kind of change it up. One of the cool benefits is, uh, of that is that you're keeping your brain younger uh, and less susceptible to diseases you know, like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and that because you're activating different parts of your brain. So brain science has come a long way, like even in the last like five years. The ability for science to be able to study your brain and the neurons and what happens and when you have a thought, they can even measure when you have a thought, uh, you know, and how that looks, you know, kind of on, on a screen. But in any case, 
if the listeners will do that, change it up. That is so good for the plasticity of your brain. And I like to tell people, you know, I brush my teeth with my right hand, you know, but you know what, tonight I'm going to do with the left hand. And it, it's awkward at first. It's awkward at first. But over time, you get really good at it. Like I, I switched the hand that I used the mouse on my computer. And I'm like, I'll never get good with my left hand. But, you know, it was just really a few hours of using that. And I started getting better kind of rapidly. Um, so, so anyway, that's uh, that, that's really good. So back to me and my childhood, uh, you know, I think I had a couple moments of dawning comprehension. Mm. You know, and, and so for me, uh, one of those came actually with my own kids. And so I was um, I, I went to Purdue University. I got a degree in computer science there. And I actually met my wife there, which was awesome. We've been married 30 years, so that's a, that's a good thing. But but anyway, I had come back. I was working as a software engineer, uh, and I was on a long business trip. And I came back from this business trip, and my son, Bo, was kind of like giving me the cold shoulder. And I said, hey, Beth, what's what's wrong with Bo? Like, wh- why is he giving me the cold shoulder? She says, well, you were gone so long, he kind of forgot who you were. And like that, that, like emotionally, that hit me hard. And then I remembered when I was a kid, both my parents worked. So I came into the empty house. I have an older brother. A lot of times he wasn't there, uh, you know, and I don't know. I felt like a little scared, like coming into the house, you know, all by myself, you know. Um, and, and so so that 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 all those memories of that kind of came flooding back to me that night. And I made what I call a clarifying decision. And that night I said, no matter what it takes, I'm going to be a work from home dad. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so I started a couple of businesses that year. It took me like a year. Because my wife, we're pretty conservative. So she's like, well, if you're, they didn't call it a side hustle back then, but she's like, if your side hustle is making as much or more than your regular job and we save up enough money, you can quit your job. Uh, so, so it took me a year, but, but we did that. And, uh, and that, was, that was 27 years ago. So I, oh, wow. you know, I became this work from home dad and that, now the kids are out of the nest. They're 29 and, and 27. Uh, but, but anyway, that, what that did is that set me up to work from home to be very efficient. And I set, I set up businesses that had no daily operations. So it gave me the opportunity to dive deep and figure out like what, who is Blaine? What does he really want? And I realized uh, in the end, I, I think God's put me on the planet to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves. Something I call self-fluence. It's kind of like uh, the power you already have to influence yourself. You don't need anything new. You already know how to do it. You know, we were talking about habits earlier. You're a habit master. Uh, you know, you you are, like you said, we are creatures of habit, but you already know how to do it. And a lot of times, if I'm at a big workshop, I'll ask people, you know, if you if you brush your teeth in the last 24 hours, raise your hand, you know, and all the hands go up. Maybe there's a denture or two in there, but but all most of the hands go up. <laughs> and And people, I said, when's the last time, how many, how long in a row have you done brushing your teeth? And people are like, years, decades. And I said, you're already a habit master. You already know how to do it. Right. Uh, and so I tell a story about my wife. Uh, she used to glad this is past tense. She used to have nearly daily migraine headaches. And so um, the doctors said, look, you got to keep this headache log. And it was like extensive. It was like, what do you eat? What are the triggers? Um, what is the weather? What is the barometric pressure? It is like weird stuff. Uh, and so she'd do it for a couple of days and then she'd lose it. Uh, or forget to do it, you know, and then she'd have a migraine and I'd ask her about it. That was not good. Uh, you know, so, so, but then one day she was brushing her teeth and, and this is kind of the genesis of the 21 second habit is I noticed that she did that 
without fail. She's like the she brushes for two minutes, just like the the dentists say in the morning oh, yeah. at night. And so I said, look, let's take the headache log, put the toothbrush and the toothpaste on top of it. And when you're brushing your teeth for those two minutes in the morning, two minutes night, just fill it out. Just what you remember, you know, maybe you look up, uh, you know, on your phone what the barometric pressure is, but but do that. And she went from can't do it for more than two, three days and then losing the log to 90 days in a row without mm. a day and putting that log together. And that helped the doctors. And now she might have a migraine headache once every couple months. Um, but but wow. that, that key there is habit linking, right? So the first key to creating a new habit is linking it to an existing habit that you already have, right? And so the second, that, that's one key. The second key to it is the key that actually helped me with my 1700 days uh, habit. And, and what I did is when I saw her do that, we did that, I said, okay, what new habits do I want? And I realized I wanted two new habits that I would do every day. And then I realized the mornings are better. Like the day can get away from me. So I better do it first thing in the morning. Um, and then I thought to myself, habit like, what do I do every morning? No willpower required. And 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 it's this, it's the smartphone. And, and mm. so every morning without fail, at some point, typically first thing, I open my phone. And so what I did is I moved all the apps off the homepage of my phone. And I just put these two apps that I want to do. One was a Bible app. And another was I wanted to take a mind shower every day. I wanted to, just like I wash my body physically in the shower, I wanted to wash the head trash out of my mind every single morning. And so I used an app of, called Headspace for that. There's a bunch of cool apps for that. Um, but that's the one I use. And so what I did is when I opened my phone, I said, look, uh, I have to do these two apps before I can touch anything else. And this, <laughs> this is where the second key to the 21 seconds. So habit linking is one. The second key is to surf the urge to want to do something else. And so when I open my phone, I've got all these little circles that, you know, I've got text messages. My son lives in Denmark. He texts during, during the night a lot of times. You know, I've got orders that have come in. I've got news. I've got social media. I mean, the whole world is just, you know, screaming for Blaine to check in with him. Um, and so I surf that urge and I say, I can't do any of that until I do these two apps. Now, I like a 10 minute mind shower, but if I only have two or three minutes, I'll do a quick two or three minute one, right? But I'm making sure that happens every single day. And so for the last 1,715 days, I've opened that phone at some point during the day. And when I do for the first time, I do those two things. And so that uh, that's really helped me. Uh, so, so the third key, so the, the three keys, so there's the habit linking, then there's surfing the urge to want to do something. And then the third part is getting leverage on yourself. And that that can be in a number of ways. Some people use rewards, like if I keep this new habit for a week, I'll buy that book I want. You know, some people use the stick. Hey, if I don't do this new habit, you know, then, you know, my wife Beth can make me do some chore that she doesn't want to do, you know, that I don't like, uh, you know, uh, like, like uh, washing out the garbage cans, you know, the big garbage cans. And then if she really wants to make sure I do it, she says, if you don't do that, you have to wash the neighbor's garbage cans on the side. <laughs> He's coming after, you, you know, so uh, anyway, you can have fun with it. And, and the leverage also, once you get about three or four days, you don't want to break that chain and it becomes powerful right now. Me, you know, at 1700 days, I really don't want to break that chain. But but, you know, it becomes powerful, uh, you, you know, to to get that. And it's and it's simple to do. Right. Uh, I just had someone the other day. They said, Blaine, I want to do next day planning. You know, I'm a chief results officer guy. I always talk about planning your day. Never let a day end without planning the next one. But she wasn't doing that. And so I said, look, Anne, what do you do first thing in the morning? No willpower requires. She says, I make a cup of coffee. I have coffee every morning. 
I said, great, mm. take a pad of paper and a pen, put it by the coffee maker. And then when you wake up, if you don't have a plan, make the coffee, smell the coffee, get really, get your urge to drink that coffee up really high and then surf that urge to at least start the plan. Now you can make the plan while you drink the coffee, but you got to start the plan before yes. you have a sip of that coffee, you know, and now she's able to do that, you know, e easily, right? Um, so, so you're kind of using your brain, you know, everything you need is within reach. Uh, you know, you're already doing it and you can master it. And many times, uh, you know, it's just mastering things you already know how to do. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. By the way, Timmy uh, Gallagher joined us and he said, yep. And neurons that fire together work together, right? Or neurons that fire yeah. together yes. work together, right? Yeah. You know, I love the fact that you had this young lady from a habit. You didn't tell her to change it. You asked her to add to it. Right. So you created a habit from an existing habit. Right. You, you kind of piggyback, right? Yeah. I, I love that idea because if you think about it, if you're already doing it, we're just going to add something to it, right? It's a beautiful way of putting it together, right? Instead of like, oh, I'll do it later. You know, do it while you're doing this other thing, whatever that other thing is, because you're going to do it without thinking. And your wife was doing it because she was brushing her teeth and she figured that out as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and there's so many things you can link to. Things that you do once a day, multiple times a day, you know, and it's interesting that, you know, even like some people, they'll, they'll link things to uh, stopping at a traffic light, you know, and it th that happens. They don't have to think about stopping at a traffic light. They stop. And when they do, they link that to say deep breathing or a quick little meditation or a quick little affirmation, you know, and so there's so many things that happen, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, right? That you mm -hmm. link to. So there's a, it's a wide range of things. And then, yeah, no willpower required, which is nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So who would you say were your biggest influencers growing up when you were a little guy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think when I was a little guy, um, you know, my dad was a big influence on me. He, he uh, worked in New York City. He lived in New Jersey, you know, and uh, uh, and that's where really he was working in um, a computer related field. And then he brought me in to work and I got to see the computers and play on some early computers. And things like that. So that really kind of set me up for the, for my my first part of my career. And then also I had an uncle. So my uncle Cliffy, uh, he owned a roller rink, uh, and and I got to see you know how much fun he had running that, uh, and then also kind of running a business. And so that uh, that started to plant some seeds for me. Want want to uh, you know have have some kind of a business of my own, you know. And so I always had that as I was growing up that um, kind of desire to do that. And, and, and when I was younger, our, we lived on a street called Bailey Hollow Road. And I created this thing called the Bailey Boys. And I made flyers to, to do like odd jobs, right? Uh, cut lawns and do painting and stuff like that. Uh, but it was a collection of people. And, and I would you know gather up other kids when the job was bigger than uh, beyond what just I could do. Uh, you know, I was just you know, employing the other kids and helping them you know, make a little uh, summer money as well. So, so, so those, I have some of those kind of early, early memories, uh, you know, of, of that, but it really, for me, it wasn't until I didn't kind of like really fully wake up consciously, I think, until I went to college. And for me, college was the big uh, change. And, and uh, it was funny, maybe like some of the listeners and, and like, I know you are a, a seeker, like a seeker of knowledge. And, you know, and, and one day I was, I was in college and I saw this ad 
for uh, an audio cassette tape. So I'm kind of dating myself. This is back in the 80s. <laughs> I saw this ad for an abridged reading of a book called Think and Grow Rich and mm. it was read by Earl Nightingale. Or Earl Nightingale actually ended up becoming a kind of a mentor uh, of me through his audio programs. Um, but, but anyway, I, I sent away for that. I listened to the tape. Then I read the book. And I was like, yeah, what you think about, you bring about. And there's like a methodology to that. Uh, you know, the neurons that, that uh, fire together, wire together. And, and your dominant thought equals dominant behavior. And, and that, that opened the door for me uh, really for the rest of my life. And that, that, that was kind of another moment of dawning comprehension was to start to realize the power that I had, you know, in, in my mind. And, uh, and that led me to my number one mentor in life and business uh, is, is Jim Rohn. I don't know if you, have you heard of Jim Rohn before? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so huge. Yeah. Huge I, I got to uh, share the stage with him a few times and, and got to know him and, and he became a, a really big mentor. Uh, and, and one night, you know, within this like five minute span, he had, he, he just delivered so much value, you know, and, and one of the things he says is it's not what happens that determines your life future. It's what you do about what happens. And so then I started to like worry less and realize, yeah, life is going to throw any kind of circumstance at me. But, but where I end up is not the circumstances of life. It's how I respond to those circumstances. And that, I don't know, that brought me some comfort and, uh, and, and realizing that, like Jim would say, we're all in a little sailboat and the blowing of the wind happens to everybody. But it's the set of the sail, which he said is your thinking that determine kind of where you end up in life. And so that 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 uh, that guided me guided me pretty well. Yeah, that's awesome. The, the fact that you understood, and the fact that you were entrepreneur at such an early age—that's pretty cool. I like that. You know, getting and the fact that you called it the Bailey Boys, yeah. <laughs> right? That's pretty cool. When we think about our early influencers, the things that we did when we were kids, it, it kind of like if you reflect back, you're like that's why I do what I do. Well, that's why I have this habit. Um, maybe you hung out with kids who, not you personally, but maybe they did drugs or they smoked or they were troublemakers or they went to the library. It, it, so it depends. Everybody, it's, it's truly, it is the people that are around you that influence your, your actions, right? And you talked about what Jim Rohn told you is that it's not what's happening. It's how you interpret it and the actions you take. You're not necessarily your, your, your necessarily triggers even then, but it's how you act about, upon it, right? It's your response, right? Because if it's a knee, knee jerk reaction, is that really a response that you wanted or is that just, oh, you didn't think about it? But when you respond, I think you have a little bit of a time to think about, is this the way I want to act with this circumstance? How do I want to handle it, right? So it's a difference between a knee-jerk reaction or a response. I love that. And, and I think that, that brings a lot of value to anybody listening. Before you do that quick reaction, is that really, really what you want to do, right? Yeah, that's a great, it's a great point. And that's kind of what what it kind of makes us different than all the other animals running around on the planet is a lot of that instinctive stuff where the animal just does it and doesn't have that gap. Like you talk, I, I love that concept of this gap between kind of stimulus and response. 
And as, and as human beings with our mind, we can open that gap and make it bigger and bigger so that we, yeah, is that the response I want? You have, you, you create more time and, 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 you know, the ability to kind of control that response. I think that's, that's a huge point, uh, you, you know, and, and a great one. You've done a lot. You, you decided from that trip that you took that your son <laughs> didn't yeah. want to be near you because he's like, who is that guy? Yeah. Right. And you decided to, and your wife, brilliant. She said, if you make enough money, yeah, this side hustle of yours is going to pay off. Right. But then you became a t TEDx speaker. How did you do that? And even why? Why did you want to do it? There's a lot of speakers that I know that never want to do the TEDx because they're limited on time, right? And th these are speakers who just like to talk and talk and talk and talk. And so I think I love the TEDx concept because you truly have to take, and the other day I had a conversation, I have a new show, it's called New Tip Daily, and I was talking about your 30 second speech, right? Where that's that elevator pitch or speech. And you're taking a, lot, a huge concept and you're breaking it down to 18 minutes. And a lot of people are terrified about that because now every word counts. What made you decide? And even how did you go about getting into a TEDx conversation or not even talking with them, but even having them accept you and say, we love what you have. Let's put you on stage. Yeah. So the time didn't, didn't bother me. I was like, Hey, shorter is better. And, and I, I think yeah, right. mine was either 14 minutes or 12. You, you could go up to 18. Uh, okay. Mine was in the 12 to 14 range. But what was harder for me was that in the TEDx, they put you on a red dot. There's like this red dot. There's a carpet. It's a, it's a circle, right? It's a, it's a circle on the stage and you have to stay inside. Now I'm my, my, my mother's maiden name is Nazaro. So I'm an Italian. I like to talk with my hands. I like to walk around, move <laughs> around. And, and that, that was more terrifying. It was like, I have to stay in this little spot, this little dot. Uh, so, so anyway, but, but for me is that what overcame all, any kind of uh, trepidation about it was this fact of that you get this ability to share an idea that's going to help somebody else. And whenever mm. I get nervous or something like that, I, I, I know that if I'm nervous about something, you know, speaking, let's say that it's, it's me thinking about me, like, how am I going to look? And, and, and I, I could look like an idiot or I could say the wrong thing, or I, I, don't, I might not know what to say, but all that is about me. And so the minute that I take that and shift it towards the audience and say, look, they're not going to remember if I flub something, or even if I do, then I gave them a good memory, right? Like, how can I serve other people? And if I stay in the, in, uh, you know, kind of in the serving mode, not a selling mode in a serving mode, then I'm not as nervous. Like I'm here to serve, right? And so for me, I wanted to, uh, you know, kind of get on that stage to share a big idea. So TEDx is a TED, and TEDx is a, is when you have one idea, one big idea worth sharing. So so you your talk is about just one thing, which is kind of cool, I, I I think. And I had been, uh, I was the president of the Arizona Marketing Association, and, I, and and so we had a monthly meeting, and it was recorded, and and I would teach each each uh, each month. And one of the members, you know, actually, uh, you know, submitted me and said, hey, there's this TEDx talk and I put your name in, in for it. Uh, you know, so then they asked me for an example of my speaking. Like, do you have a video of you speaking? And I go, yeah, I have a lot of them 
you know, from uh, doing these presentations. And so I sent them that, that video and I was accepted. And, you know, the thing people need to realize is if you have that goal to be a TEDx speaker, there are, you know, hundreds and hundreds of TEDx's all over the world, probably a thousand, you know, at any one time. Uh, and, and they're done in different cities. I'm in the Phoenix area. And so we probably have, you know, 20 different TEDx's every year. Uh, you know, the university will do one. Some people have them in certain cities. Some some clubs will do it. And, uh, and and so there's a lot of opportunity. And many of them have an open registration, you know, where you can you can Google that and, and you can see, oh, here's a TEDx. And they have this kind of call for speakers. And that's where you would just submit your idea and a little video. Uh, and and then hopefully you're chosen. So once you are chosen, I was chosen, they give you a coach, which is nice. So you have this person um, who's like an organizer for it, but also your coach. So they're, they're working on, okay, you got to stand this one idea. And how are you going to tie it in with everybody? And how are you going to get them to actively participate? And so it was, uh, it was, it was great to have that. And, and I did mine, what I talked about earlier, why TABA is an acronym for what you think about, you bring about that thing that thinking grow rich kind of taught me in college that became a big theme in my life. And so I tell the story about my father's passing, which is not fun. I, had, mm. start, I start off there. Uh, they, they said, you're going to have to get emotional. I'm like, I don't like to get emotional. I'm like, We're gonna have to <laughs> uh, so, so I had to do that story, but it's tied with something that was uh, happier, which was the birth of my son. So, so that was, that was fun. But I talk about, you know, overcoming, uh, you know, my father's, uh, you know, kind of untimely, uh, you know, death that he, he died, uh, something called sudden death heart attack so he didn't even know he was sick and um, mm. you know um, he's only 59 years old and, and and anyway so but through that through this concept of white you know what you think about you bring about i i chose to be better rather than bitter and and and, and work my way out of it but then the audience yeah we we interact with the audience and they get these cards and we talked about how your mind works and uh, how it's kind of like a garden and you know are you planting good stuff bad stuff or nothing if you plant nothing you get weeds which sometimes can even be worse uh but but uh but i talked about that and in the end we talked about a very kind of cool elegant simple way to take control of your thoughts by reminding yourself of what you want to bring about in your life uh you know a hundred times a day without having to think about it so uh, mm. and, and if people want that i, I can direct people to where, where they could uh, see that talk. One of the things that, that is very intriguing w when I talk to anybody who has a lot of plates spinning, right, if you will, is the fact that we can be better with one thing. And you talked about that. One thing, one thing at a time, right? Because if you think about we can only truly think about one thing at a time. We may have a million thoughts a day, but each thought has its own time, right? And I love the fact that you brought up Think and Grow Rich. I mean, I've read that book so many times. It has so many great, valuable lessons. And every single time, it makes me think different, right? That's why I journal a lot. And in my journals, I write it, then I put it in a different journal because the thoughts are a little bit different or I see it differently. And then I come back a couple of days later and then I rewrite it in a third book or I highlight it and then write it in a third book because the concepts will change slightly. And then I'll put it in another book, a fourth book. And I think if I were to go back to the many books I have written, 
I probably would even create a fifth book because I'm like, hmm, my thoughts have changed because we evolve daily, don't we? And and that's one of the, the, the beauties that I can see that you have. You're evolving. I love the 21 second shift to really create a new habit or change a habit because you may have a great habit that served you 10 years ago. Is it serving you today? Why are you still doing it? You know, we, we hear about habits that people are doing because they were told to do, right? Like you, you, everybody's heard the story of the mom cooking the ham and cutting off the ends and, and cooked it that way. We've all heard that story, but it's only because that's what she was told. And, oh, that's why she cut the hands. Right. Right. So w- when we think about a habit is in order, I think in order for it to stick, it, it should make sense. And like you said, your why. And then also, does it work? Does it work for you and what you're trying to accomplish? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, uh, one side, the, the cool thing I talk about brain science. One of the cool things is that now they can study your brain in such detail. They did. They, they have noticed that the neurons, you know, uh, you know that that fire together, wire together, and it does take about 21 days for you initially to form the neurological pathways, you know, of the new habit. But it takes 63 days for those to be able to stand on their own. So just know that these things, you know, are going to take some time. Whether you're substituting habit and eliminating bad ones or starting new ones, neurologically. It's going to take a little time for you, uh, you know, to be able to to kind of get to, you know, get to that point where where it's where it's fully, you know, fully wired in, right? And so I, I think that's that's key for for people to to understand, um, you know, in in regards to that. Yeah. No, definitely. Talk to us about the difference that you found once you started staying at home, right? You, you worked from your home. You created businesses or you and then i want to know what businesses they were also right um your side hustles which truly impacted your relationship with your son right and then when you did that you had another child right yeah so you have two kids right both boys girls what do we what do we have uh, no, the, younger, the younger one is a girl and they were uh, they're 19 months apart so so mm. they were uh you know it was I, I don't know i thought it was easier once we had two but uh, <laughs> maybe my wife would say something different but but anyway yes so so we got a boy and a girl nice yeah how was the impact would you say so much different when you started being home more yeah yeah uh it was a it was a big impact it was um that was probably the toughest year on our marriage from like a time standpoint and and you know, I was really driving to get free. Right. Uh, mm. And it was a very, you know, so that was probably our hardest time in our marriage was that year because I basically had my 50 hour a week job. We had the one year old and then, you know, he was going on two, and then we have a, another child coming, you know, uh, at, at the end of that year, we know we have another child coming. So it was a little crazy in, in that time, but, but I was driven, you know, I was driven emotionally mm by this, you know, do I want my child to know me or not, right? And it was very, uh, and, and different things for different people, but, but you, you have, you're going to have some core desires planted deep inside you, right? 
and and those core desires, um, you know, you're going to feel energized when you get in alignment with your true purpose, right? And and so as I as I you know discovered this more and more, you know, and got freer and freer from kind of a, a job. I mean, you were talking about that transition. I mean, the first thing was I went from you know having to drive to my job and be there. You know, it was probably more than 50 hours a week if I put in commute time and all that. And all of a sudden, all that was gone. And and it was interesting that in that first year, I tripled the amount of money, kind of take home profit that I had in my life because I I freed myself up, you know, from from a, a job, kind of working for somebody else. And uh, and what I did that year is I started two different companies. One was with a friend. I was in, in the computer field, software engineer was my degree. And we knew a bunch of other software engineers. So this friend of mine and I, we started a company to help them get jobs. And mm. so we helped them get jobs. And in some of the jobs, um, we became their employer. And then we paid them. And then the these there were bigger companies like Honeywell and, and, and uh, you know Raytheon, these, these bigger kind of um, software development type companies, they would pay us a certain amount per hour. And then we would pay the, you know, the person who was our employee, right. And we'd make a little bit of a spread there. Um, so right. that was one. And the other one was kind of a bizarre business. I've always kind of been into health and, and it was selling uh, a very unique, uh, edible, uh, blue green algae, uh, you know, from mm. a, a lake in, in Klamath, Klamath Falls, Oregon, of all places. But wow. anyway, so it was a, a unique kind of thing. But but those were the businesses that you know kind of ended up launching me, you know, into uh, you know in, into being my own boss, you know, from home. And and that, like you said th this earlier, that the people you're around influence you. Uh, you know, and some of them could be you know for bad habits. Some could be in good ways, like a mentor, but some could also be in negative ways. And I think mm -hmm. parenting. Being um, well, hopefully not too much of the helicopter parent, but but being in their lives so much that we realized that the friend network was the key, right? And getting them in with good friends and and really monitoring that part of it early on, right? So so you know, and a lot of times since I'm working from home, if they have friends over, I'm there, right? Or if, if they're going to go on some kind of a play date or something like that, I can just go go and be there. Or, or hang out, uh, you know, at least for a while, make sure everything's going going well. And I think that that played a big, big difference. Um, then being able to do, you know, stuff with them and sports and and being able to be their coach, uh, you know, in, at first in soccer, then later in tennis, uh, you know, just being really involved uh, in in with their lives. But then also I got to prepare them to go out on their own. So so uh, that was kind of a, a bit of a transition, you know, for me especially when our son started driving and we lost all this windshield time. Like we had a lot of windshield time in, <laughs> to school and to sports and, and all that stuff. Um, so when we lost that, that was like big transition number one. And then when they went away to college, that was kind of mm -hmm. transition number two. But now, now the nice thing is that uh, the kids are out of the nest and I'm still working from home with, with a high degree of, of uh, discretionary time. So I can, you know, I, I can really pour into other people and and stay on what I feel is is my my path. A lot of times, my my wife and I we have a thing called the Powerball test, and we say if you won the Powerball last weekend, would you still do what you're doing, right? You know that that's that uh, tells you if it passes the Powerball test. And 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 what I do does like if I won last week the Powerball, I would still be here with you. You know, uh, doing this uh, podcast live stream. Now we may be giving away cars, and it might have been wild time. 
Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, I would still do it because that's why I feel like I'm here. And um, and it's not really a job as much as a kind of a, a calling, you know, to, to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves. Something I call personal implementation, getting yourself mm. to do the things that you know you should do, but you're not doing most of the time. Right. That's what we work. I love it. I love it. And I, I love the Powerball because I've been asked that question a thousand times over. Would you still do the same things? I'm like, yes, I wouldn't change. This is who I am, right? Plus, I would be bored. You know, don't get me wrong. Yeah, maybe you travel a little bit more and just like that and maybe contribute a little bit more than you already contribute. But you're still the same person. What winds up happening for all those people? And there's like 80 percent of people who become lotto or mega or whatever 80 percent of them go broke afterwards and the reason is they stop being who they were that's the only reason that's the only reason i can see yeah and, and there's a uh in a workshop setting we talk about the powerball lottery right we talk about everybody winning it we close our eyes and we envision it and then we say okay now it's a year later after you won the powerball and let's say you won, you know, it's $500 million, you pay the taxes, you, but then for that year, you do all the stuff you want to do, buy the mansions, do the travel, get your kids set up with the trust funds. You do everything you want to do. And it's a year later and you wake up, you still have a hundred million dollars in the bank and you can do whatever you want, unlimited resources. What would you do? Nearly a hundred percent of the people in that room, and we go through an exercise where they write it out, is they say, I would help people blank. Now the blank is different for everybody. But they all say when they had unlimited resources, I would help people blank. Now, the blank is typically based on what, you know, what has happened in their life, right? Like I would help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves, you know, but other people would have different things, different answers, but it all came back to serving other people, right? And at the end of life, I studied people at the end of their life. What did they say? And they always only had two things. Everything, like, what did you want more? What do you wish you did differently? And it all came down to just two items. And one was, I wish I had more memorable moments with the people I love. Mm -hmm. Memorable moments with, now the people they love, when I, I dug a little deeper, you know, it's, it is family and friends, but it also was staff at a company they worked with for a long time, mm. or maybe even peers in the, in the, where they worked, you know, in, in, the, in the industry they worked with. But they had those people. They wish you had more memorable moments with the people they love. And then the second thing was, I wish I had more impact with what I had learned. So it's all about, you know, connection, relationships, you know, memorable moments with people you love and about, mm -hmm. impact, about sharing, you know, your journey in such a way that it serves another person. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is the, the truth, right? Because a lot of people think they need a lot of money to help others. And that's, that's where they lose it. Because you don't need, listen, I've seen poor people be more helpful than people who have a lot of wealth. Sure. Yeah. Because they, they, they have empathy. They know what it's like. So a lot of times people think, if I had this, I can help other people. You can help other people now. You don't need the wealth. All you need is a hand. You need to be there to comfort somebody. Maybe help out a soup kitchen. Maybe do something where you make an impact. You don't have to be rich. And if, by the way, if you're rich, you should be doing that. Right? <laughs> yeah, You should be doing that. Anyway, because there's a lot of celebrities, a lot of people who 
listen, all these celebrities or even these athletes who are getting $80 million for five years, you know, $300 million for whatever, and they barely do any charity work. And I'm like, hmm, or maybe they're doing it silently, but I hope that their contract is not just about the money, but it's about what they can do with the money. And, and one of the things that even in Think and Grow Rich is because it says it's not the money, it's what you can do. And money's not evil. You can do evil things with money, but you can do amazing and great things with money too. So let's take the, the higher road and do amazing things if you have the money. But if you don't have the money, listen, I believe in giving because the rewards will come back. And if it's not a financial reward, it's that feeling we get in our heart, right? Yeah. I love the fact that one of your apps and that you've been doing for over 1700 days is something based on faith. I love that. And I agree with you 100%. And that's something that, you know, gratitude, faith, belief in something bigger than us. I think that's huge. And I applaud you for that. And, and let me ask you a question. So those are the two apps that you go to every day without fail. First two things that you do, maybe you'll touch upon other ones. But then also, let me ask you, your two companies, and it seems like two is a good number for you. Your two companies you started with, are they, are you still have them or are you moved on to others? Uh, yeah. So, so the first company, uh, the, the software development kind of placement one, I ended up selling my part of that business to my mm -hmm. friend and he went on and, and now, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's done that business uh, for like 30 years. Now it's changed and he's it and it became more of what, what his vision was for it. But he's still in business today, uh, you know, and they're still, uh, so I'm not in it. And then that the algae, they're still pulling that algae out of that Klamath Lake and people are still eating that, that um, wow. green algae. Um, but again, I sold that, uh, you know, I, I sold that, that business off as I, def, you know, kind of figured out who I was. And in, in 2009, I started a company called Self-Fluence, the art and science of influencing yourself. And that's what I, that was, that's my real calling. And I, I, I work with business owners mostly, um, but then I also work with uh, collections of business owners that are together in what's called a mastermind group. So someone will create a mastermind group, let's say of attorneys or dentists. Those are my two biggest ones. And they'll, they'll be helping them collectively. They're kind of helping each other. And I'm coming in there to help them get results on a weekly basis. I set up little meetings um, and I have a framework to help them get results, get progress every single week. And that is where some of them said, hey, you, you know, you're you're like the chief results officer for us. Uh, you know, and I said, hey, I like that chief results officer. That's that's who I want to be. And so I went to the U.S. trademark uh, and patent office and I registered that. And, and I was granted that um, the the R with a circle, the registered trademark, which is a little more powerful than just the TM. So I have the R with a circle. That's why I can say I'm America's only chief results officer. Uh, but but anyway, that and that's. That's really, you know, I'm going to do this kind of stuff for the rest of my life. It's mm. kind of what I feel wired to do. I love it. I love it. When we think about results, right, it's the actions, isn't it? Yeah. It's the actions that we take that are going to give us results or not. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a yes to something and the no to something else. It's automatic. Right. When we say one to the one, we say yes to a no or no to a yes. 
it doesn't matter right yeah it's kind of kind of the decision and the doing like so the decision mm -hmm. is like the key bridge to action right but then there's that famous story you know three birds are sitting on on a tree limb and one decides to fly away how many birds are on the tree limb still three because the one made the decision but they didn't do the flying right so so yeah. it's the decision and the doing so the decision key bridge to action but then like you said it's the doing it's the implementation and i'd rather that you decide promptly and begin moving even if it's in the wrong direction because if you're mm. moving in the wrong direction now now you can steer yourself right you can't steer a parked car you got to be moving right so once you get moving even if it's the wrong direction i prefer that over not moving at all but then you know then you can kind of adjust but yes it's in the doing right and most people most people don't need more information information is not transformation right mm -hmm. implementation and doing that's, that's where it happens right and that's people kind of need less information and, and more implementation i yeah that that's why you know i love that saying of uh knowledge is not power right right you got applied knowledge yeah that's your power yeah there it is we're, we're, <laughs> the same mold. we're finishing each other's sentences that's good yeah. <laughs> nice nice listen I, I i'm loving this connection i'm loving you know everything that you have done with your life because you're showing people that your why should be why you do things right don't get me wrong a lot of us need to have a job in order to put food on the table but you can still on your side hustle figure out why you need to do something different now maybe not everybody can stay home but when you do go to that job or you do run that company why are you running that company why are you going to that job you know, some people will never be able to have their own business, but they can be great at a business when they help someone else, right? So it, it, determine that why. I think that's huge. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us too. Yeah, yeah. And bring that to you. Bring that Bring that into your daily life, whatever that is. Like if you do that Powerball test, you say, you know, hey, I'd like to help to help people do X, right? Well, how can you start doing that right away, right? You know, and so when I was working in my regular job, you know, I was the person that was reading the self-help books and, and talking to people and helping them, right, wherever I was, right? Kind of mm -hmm. grow wherever you're planted, so to speak. Yeah, you've got yeah. gifts and you've got talents, whoever you are. You know, you've got stuff that that naturally you feel like doing um, and you're good at it, right? So, so yeah, explore those talents and gifts and then let them grow, you know, wh wherever you are. Uh, and then wherever you are, be there. Jim Rohn told me that, taught me that wherever you are, be there. So if you're at work, be at work. If you're at home, be at home, uh, you know, and focus in and kind of bloom where planted is what I like to say. Yeah, yeah, because wherever you go, there, there you are. <laughs> that's right. That's the person who's always going to be with you. Yes. Yeah. Don't be afraid of your shadow. It's actually there to help you. <laughs> right. right, exactly. Exactly. I, I love all the advice. I've, I love all, all the ideas and the concepts that you're bringing forth amazing amazing conversation thank you for sharing your your wisdom with us today and let me ask you would you be willing to do another tedx talk uh yeah i i, I think i would if, if the stage uh and i like to do things that are new so if the stage and the venue and things were maybe different from my my last one uh i'm, I'm pretty sure i could come up with another you know idea worth sharing so to speak uh and and i do you know some of these mastermind groups I, I work with, they have a newsletter. So every month, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I like this natural deadline. Like I have to write a new article. 
for their newsletter every single month. And that gives me a little bit of a platform to say, you know, another what's the, what's a big idea worth sharing. So I almost kind of get to do like a little mini TEDx talk in, in written form, uh, you know, every every single month. So I really have enjoyed that. And I just yesterday I counted. I have 70 months of, of those articles, uh, you know, that I've written. And that's 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 been helpful for me to kind of get get, you know, express myself through through that that vehicle. Yeah. Blaine tedx.com it's b-l-a-i-n-e-t-e-d-x.com everybody go check it out and i know that once we look at it we're all gonna want you to do another one (laughs) (laughs) great concepts great ideas really appreciate you being here thank you so much have an amazing and blessed day my friend all right well thank you for having me and i'll leave you with this uh bad news the bad news is time flies the good news you're the pilot. So pilot well, my friends, pilot well. I love that. Great tip. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.